0: You are listening to episode two of the Outcast, part of Primitive Intelligence. I'm your host, Kurt, and thank you for joining me. Now, this is my, uh, this the podcast version of this is pulled from my YouTube live stream that I do on Thursdays. And at the beginning of this live stream, I had a huge audio issue where I had this feedback loop coming through and you couldn't hear a word I was saying. It took about five minutes of the podcast right out. I, I stopped, I fixed the issue, and I started over from scratch. And that's where we're going to pick up this week uh, where I kind of rebooted the episode. From there I go on and talk a little bit about preparing to be prepared talk about some of my camera gear cooking on a trail and a little bit of back and forth with some of the people in the live stream. Did a little more work to edit this episode than I did last week to make sure that there's not as much uh, visual space that you guys can't see on the podcast so hopefully it sounds a little bit better for you and you know what's coming next. The Outcast starts right now. <laughs> I'm Kurt, this is the Outcast. Thank you for joining me. Um, This is kind of the outdoor, outside podcast, video podcast that uh, I wanna start doing. Okay, cool, that's working now. Um, This week, I'm going to be going over a couple questions that were asked in last week's show uh, by YouTube subscriber S. Erie, who asked, uh, what kind of camera gear do I use and uh, what do I do about cooking and eating on a trail? Uh, so I'm going to cover both of those, i got some gear, i got some of my stuff here I'm going to show you guys, so that should be pretty cool. I'm also going to talk about preparing to be prepared and what that really kind of, kind of means. Um, I guess you could call it a philosophy of sorts, I guess, I don't know, it's just something that I kind of try to keep in mind in situations where um, you can't prepare for everything and that, that odd thing is going to happen to you and what do you do in that situation. Before I get into that, though, I want to thank everybody who has subscribed. Uh, I'm up to 409 subscribers, I think, at the last count, which doesn't seem like a lot to some channels, but for a guy who's just kind of stumbling around in the woods and making 30-minute videos, uh, that's pretty good. I'm pretty happy with that. So um, thank you, guys, and uh, I really do appreciate it. So what I'm doing is I'm reinstituting my old uh, Facebook page that I used to have when I was kind of a musician down in Florida. Uh, I kind of deactivated it, but I I reinstated it and kind of geared it towards uh, the YouTube channel. So that's just gonna be at facebook.com slash Kurt Zitzelman. I'll put like um, notifications about the show, I'll put uh, like like back behind the scenes footage or uh, photos, maybe some photos I take when I'm out hiking then I'm not putting in videos and things like that. Um, Also probably uh, be asking for ideas, for the show, things that people wanna hear about, questions they have, um, and things like that. A little more uh, of a, like a social interaction. YouTube does have a community tab uh, that they're working into channels, but as of right now, you got to have like 10,000 subscribers that have that active, and that's just not gonna happen anytime soon for me. So for now, I'll just rely on the Facebook page. So go check that out. Uh, I do have my own personal Facebook page, but I don't uh, respond to friend requests on that from people I don't actually know. I just keep that for family and and friends. So facebook.com slash Kurt Zitzelman. I'll put a link to it in the description of this um, if you want to go there uh, and check it out. So let's get to the actual podcast part of it. Preparing to be prepared. Uh, You can't prepare for everything if you're outdoors or if you're just in life in general. You could be sitting in your house and, you know, a car could drive through your Front door, you you don't know. Um, out in the wild, any number of things can go wrong, and you got to be able to handle those situations that you you may not be prepared. You can't carry uh, repair kits for everything you have. You're going to have gear fail. You're going to forget stuff. Um, just odd stuff is going to happen. So the main part of that, I I think is I, I break it into three sections. First thing is remaining calm. If you get uh, panicked, uh, you you're not thinking straight. You're going to make poor decisions and poor decisions lead to more poor decisions because you're going to make one bad choice. The next thing you're going to do is you're going to make another choice to try to counteract that first bad choice and that's just going to go wrong and so on and so on until at some point there's no return from your bad situation. If you can make a a, a rational decision and even if it's wrong and you make a mistake, you can correct it easier if you're calm. So remaining calm, easier said than done, but something you got to do, like having the wrong audio settings on your computer and everything going crazy, right? So I just had to reset that and we'll go from there. But that's a minor example of it. It's it's hard. I've, I've been in situations where you kind of want to freak out, but it's never a good option. The second thing is kind of have a plan, and this is coming from a guy who doesn't like to have plans. but. If I'm going on an adventure, uh, I don't make a, a step-by-step plan or a, an itinerary of everything I'm going to do. I think that takes away from the idea of an adventure, but I almost always have a plan of escape uh, from situations and areas, so if something were to happen, I can get out. When I just did this past trip at Keller Swamp, um, in the Pencho State Forest, it's a series of state forest roads through this entire tract of of forest. So I knew that no matter where I wound up camping, I didn't know where I was going to, what trail I was going to actually take. I didn't know where I was going to set up camp, but I knew that wherever I was, I would be within a certain amount of time or distance from a forest road or a snowmobile trail, which would make it easier to exit. And where I wound up camping, it took, it was about two, 2.65 miles from the car into the campsite but if I would have taken the forest roads directly back out it was probably about a mile so it would have been easy to get out if I had to luckily nothing happened where I needed to do that but I'm always looking at ways of getting out of a situation and I'd rather have that plan than on what I'm actually going to do so you got to kind of know where you're going uh, research that a little bit and then have an escape plan for if something goes wrong how are you gonna get back to safety now, on those forest roads and snowmobile trails, I would have chosen depending on the time of day. And if I heard snowmobiles, I would have headed for those trails. If I didn't hear snowmobiles, I would have headed for the roads. And chances are, I could have come across somebody because I did when I was hiking. Um, there were cars driving around during the day. I could have gotten somebody's attention, gotten gotten out of there. The third part is knowing your own limitations, kind of knowing yourself. And this can actually be the hardest part. What are you capable of doing? And what are you capable of learning? For me, my biggest problem is heights. So I know if I'm not going to go sleep on the edge of a cliff because I'm going to freak out and I'm not going to be rational and I'm going to make poor decisions and something bad's going to happen. So you got to know what you're capable of, of overcoming and if you're you know actually willing to try it one of the biggest questions i get asked when i go when i'm talking to people and i tell them i go out on these long road trips by myself or even you know now solo backpacking or just camping or not camping but uh hiking solo even if it's in a, a state park or something like that is uh how do you <laughs> is it hard spending that much time by yourself in your own head and it never really uh, dawned on me until someone actually asked me that question that it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a skill to be able to just be on your own and only rely on yourself and know when not to get yourself into a bad situation. I've pushed it in, in occasions and gone to places where I probably had no business being, uh, but knowing my limitations and knowing what I could do, remaining calm and having the extra strategy has allowed me to continue to do these kinds of things on my own and remain safe um and the last little bit and this is like a side note but if you're going to do something on your own you should always let somebody know where you're going to be so that way if you don't come back they know where to go looking for you because anything could actually literally happen i could have had a tree fall on me uh this past trip um i could have uh, been walking across something that i didn't realize was ice and fallen through uh it could have been attacked by an animal it could have broken an ankle because stepped in a, you know, something that was snow covered, stepped through, snapped an ankle, anything could have happened. But I let somebody know where I was. And if I didn't uh, get back in touch with them, some, you know, hopefully (laughs) would have sent somebody out to look for me. So that's pretty much preparing to be prepared. You can't be prepared for every situation, but you can prepare yourself to handle emergencies in a a calm and uh, controlled manner. So that is all of that. Um, Next up, I'm going to do uh, the questions that were asked last week. Uh, The first one is on recording gear, on cameras, on what do I take. So I'm gonna switch over to my other camera here and I'm gonna show you what I've been using. Uh, I could go through everything that I use, uh, depending on the trip, but that would be insane. I'm just gonna go over the stuff that I'm currently using. It's gonna be a lot easier. I've got way too much stuff Uh, to go over with that. So let me get this ready to go. Right now my main camera is this right here. This is my GoPro Hero 5 on the Karma Grip Gimbal. And uh, this allows me to have really nice smooth video. And have a little bit of extension. This is that 3-way grip I was shown last week. Uh, This allows me to not be just holding this. Uh, it's got a tri- tripod belt into the bottom so I can stand it up. So this is really, this is my main camera that I've been using. Unfortunately, the audio on this is horrible. The, the Hero 5s, for whatever reason, when you take the door off that is required to get this into the gimbal, uh, the audio just goes to crap. It picks up all the noise from the motors and it's just horrible. So what I've been using for my audio on that is my Tascam Let me get that in screen there. There we go. The Tascam DR5, uh, it's like a portable recorder. Uh, It's got stereo microphones up top. So if I'm sitting in camp, I can just set this down and record. But it also does have the ability to use an external microphone. And you've probably seen this little puffy thing on my, sitting on my jacket in, in recent videos. It's got an insane amount of wire, but it, I mean, it works great. I can put this pretty much anywhere. So this has pretty good sound. This blocks most wind. You can't hear much wind at all in my videos. If anything, the audio will cut out for a second before you hear wind. Uh, the nice thing about the recorder is I can also use a small uh, like tripod. So I'll carry this little separate tripod, screw this in, and I can set this up and get some off, off-body recordings so if I if I got the camera set up somewhere which is sitting and taking like a landscape shot, I'll set the recorder up next to it. So that works pretty good. And then I've also been using my t- my two Hero Five sessions. Uh, these don't last real long. You can probably get like 90 minutes out of one of these. Uh, but what I do is I just I carry my battery pack with me, and I'll record on one. And then when the battery is about dead on that, I'll switch over to the second one. I'll record charge this one and record off of that one. By the time this one's about dead, I'll switch them out because I'm not recording 90 minutes at a time. Uh, The problem I run into is editing with that. I don't remember which one I was recording with when, and I gotta make sure all the settings are are right on that. Uh, So I've been using those. And it keeps the consistency between the video footage, uh, between the three, because they're basically the same, same sensors inside. The nice thing about the sessions though is the microphone on these is pretty good. So when I was at camp uh, at Keller Swamp, a lot of the audio I was running right off of this session. Um, not, not even with the, the recorder, just with the session here. Aside from a few different ones where I had the camera sitting back a little bit further and I wanted some closer audio. So I'll use those. And then, so that's three cameras. And then my fourth camera would be my phone. It does a pretty good job. It can record actually in 4K if I, if I needed it to. Uh, this is just a Google Pixel XL. It's a last year's model, and it does fine. The only problem I have with this, I did do one video solely with this, and that was um, that was what was that Balsam Lake Mountain uh, Wild Forest. I did a maybe a month ago, month and a half ago, and I shot that entire thing on the phone uh, on a like a selfie stick kind of thing, like an extension pole, and it did a pretty good job. But it was cold enough that the stabilization started acting up and when i was got up to the top of the mountain it starts doing this weird like like it doesn't know it does good if it's looking at a face it can it can stabilize well but when you're walking with it it doesn't know what to look at and it kind of gets jittery or jumpy and it jumps it kind of snaps from location to location but for some shots i'll just use this if i've got um these packed away if i'm just doing like a hiking trip i might not take these but uh if this is set up doing like a, a like I'm walking away from the camera or something like that, and I see something that I really want to get immediately, I'll, I'll do the, the phone and record with that. So pretty much that is my recording setup. That's what I've been using for eh, probably the last month and a half, this exact setup. And like I said, I have other other things that I'll use. Uh, there's, there's just so many. I got too many cameras. I got too many little cameras to, to show for all of that. So that's going to do it for the, the camera stuff. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I really enjoy doing all of uh, the video editing, probably the video editing more than, than anything else I, I like doing, uh, but the recording, finding different ways to, to shoot scenes and um, to, to bring the outdoors, the adventures that I go on uh, to you guys to see. Um, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, anybody else who does video Uh, on YouTube or even just for their their own purposes probably understands what I'm talking about. That creative process sometimes is just as therapeutic as the hiking itself. So get all that stuff out of the way. Um, The next thing I'm going to go over is the cooking on the trail. So let me get back over to here and we'll get this going so you guys can see this. Um, First thing I'm going to show is why are you being like that? it there we go um is let's go back to this view all right so want to show some of the ideas of what i do when i'm eating um sometimes i'll just do stuff like pre-made meals mountain house or uh, packet gourmet or something like that but i last year it was like last year beginning of the year before. Uh, the the end of 2016, beginning of 2017, started really getting in towards making my own meals. Um, this was what I was calling trail tacos. And it's just like beef and rice, some peppers and beans. Put a little bit of water in there and like a, a cup of that, and you get like four or five of these little tacos. They're actually really good. Oh, if I'm gonna keep this stuff for a while, I, I got a dehydrator. This is like Mountain House breakfast skillet. Uh, a buddy of mine had. He got a big can of it, like with the big uh I don't know what you call those things, big, huge can of this stuff. So he gave me some of it and I, I vacuum sealed that. So I had it for a while. Something I was testing in my kitchen here. This is like some kind of stew. I don't even remember what this was. It looks really good though. I want some right now. Uh, there's peas in there. I can see you got potatoes and beef cooking out there. Uh, this is, there's a little hot dog sticking up here on the side. This is uh, from Slide Mountain with my nephew. And um, uh, sometimes I just use my camp stove. This uh, now I'm gonna show this a uh, little setup here in a minute but the Reflectex bag, bag. just boil the water, put it in the the pouch. Uh, This actually looks like a packet gourmet meal in here and then just let it dehydrate. Uh, It's really simple and uh, it's light to carry. Uh, Another test, (laughs) some chili I was making. Um, That actually looks really good too. Man, now I'm getting hungry, I want dinner. Uh, For car camping, this is something recent. Um, Got this in the Cairn package. This is called Grandpa's Grill. It's made by Light My Fire. And you can do a, like a hot dog, a couple hot dogs you can see here, hamburger patty, and you just use a stick for the handle and cook it over the fire. And there, that's something good about eating food that's cooked over an open fire. Uh, this is my solo stove in action. You can kind of see the um, the, the gas jets that form to help super, it's kind of basically you're, whatever you're putting into the, the canister burns and pulls the gases back up around the outside which then reignite the gases so it, there's not a lot of smoke you can see there's not much smoke coming out of here and when that's burning right it's almost as fast as a, a gas burner um and then this is just from this past trip where i've got the solo stove it's sitting over here on the left i never took the stove out i just cooked right on the fire it was uh it was kind of nice I really enjoyed just cooking using the fire to heat up my uh my water, the problem with this was I was cooking on pine. So you'll see, I'm gonna show you this here in a second here. Um, this is all covered in in pine soot. It was, it was pretty rough. Let's start with this. This is that granddaddy's, granddad's grill. And uh, this is, it just opens up. It's got a little clasp on here. Um, you're not gonna cook a whole lot of stuff in this. Uh, it's pretty much limited to things like hot dogs, hamburgers. Maybe if you had like some kibasi or summer sausage or something like that and you want to cook that in there. I guess you could probably grill vegetables in that, but that'd be pretty good. But this is nice. Um, It's light, it packs away easy. And I didn't think I was gonna really ever use it until I tried it and for car camping, I love it. So that's that. This is my cook set. Oh, that was loud, sorry about that. For my gas canister stove. So it's got the lid is a cup. And then it's got the pot here. I wish there, were, this was delineated. I wish this showed you uh, the measurements. I just kind of got to guess when I'm cooking. Um, and then the stove itself is. I've had a couple different of these little fold-out stoves, but what I'm currently using is the MSR Pocket Rocket 2, and I really like this. Um, this is great for if you just really need to heat something up fast. And you're not gonna cook a steak or a burger on this. You're not gonna, you know, you could. I've seen people actually use theirs for, um, like make pancakes and stuff like that. But uh, this is really made for boiling water. And you can boil water in a hurry with this. And then this just uh, goes onto the stove, or, you know, onto the, the fuel canister here. You light it and uh, you, you heat up your water. These are really handy. There a lot of different versions of these. Um, and, I mean, I'm probably pretty sure everybody who's hiked has seen something like this. But, yeah, the uh, MSR Pocket Rocket 2, really impressed with this thing. I like that a lot, too. Um, move these out of the way. Now, I could use the same pot for my, uh, my solo stove as I do for the, uh, the propane or the, the gas, the canister stove. But it gets so sooty. I'd rather not carry around one pot that's all sooty. So this is the solo stove. And you can see this is all all kind of burned up and everything. But on the inside, it's just a, a double-walled, basically an aluminum can uh, with a grate at the bottom. And you put your, your fuel in there, twigs, leaves, uh, birch bark, whatever you happen to have. You put the ring on there. Uh, you, you light it and once this thing starts going, it just goes, it really, really heats up fast. And then the pot that comes with it, well, actually the pot, that I actually made this little set. Uh, the, the pot is separate. But you can see how this just remains kind of uh, dirty at all times, and this has been scrubbed pretty thoroughly, because this was all all pine tar on here, and I'm getting dirty just by, by handling it. But This one is delineated, which is nice, so you know how much water you're putting in there. It's got the markings on the the front here. But this works just as well on a fire as it does on the stove. And it works really, really good. This I will use for winter, mostly. Uh, The the canister fuels don't work as well. When it gets down below eh, probably 25, they start to act up. It gets low into the teens is really going to start getting your problems and it gets much lower and that gets around zero or lower and you're pretty much out of luck. Uh, there's ways you can get around that, but not with the gear I have. That's not something I would generally try to keep in my set if it's going to be that cold. What I'll do a lot with this with the solo stove is I'll use, actually the pot I'll put back here, I'll bring the stove back up. The solo stove. Uh, I'll use birch bark if I can find it, and I've anytime I, f- I find on a trail now, if I can find big pieces, I've got a box of this sitting downstairs. Um, this is a great fire starter. So you kind of crumple this up, you put it in the stove, you light that, and then you put your, your tinder in there. It's twigs, leaves, leaves work really well. Um, but what I've been carrying with me just, just starting this last trip was I made a little fire kit and this is for like an emergency um, and basically what it's got in there is some birch bark and some pre-cut uh piece of wood that I know are dry and will burn well so that way if I've got the solo stove with me the the weather turns everything's wet I can't get a fire started I know I can get a good hot fire started with this boil some water and have at least one good hot meal why I well I figure out how I'm going to get out of the situation. Um, so I'm going to be carrying this with me from now on when I'm carrying the solo stove. Um, I might change the the pouch I have it in. I just had an extra pouch that I would made. Um, so that was that was nice to have. I didn't need it thankfully because uh, I didn't use the stove. But it's good to have. This is just another one of those, you know little bits of you know being being prepared for a situation. If I'm gonna cook on a fire, you gotta have a way of starting the fire. Um, of course, you can always use a lighter. Um, you can use something like waterproof matches, or I'll use. I'm trying to rely on my striker, uh, my uh, my ferro rod here, my fire steel, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm not real good with this yet. Uh, I've been getting better, but uh, this last trip I didn't I didn't use it uh, just because I was trying to relax and not get frustrated. So I just used matches. This does come with a striker, which I don't usually use. Um, I'll use my knife. And I found that any knife will work as long as it's got a good uh, squared spine. And you can see how that's not rounded on the top there. I don't know if that's gonna focus. That will that'll throw a spark really well. This These two worked really well together the last time I used them. I was really impressed with that. I was able to start a fire with just a few strikes. And I was impressed because I usually can't do that. I will, however, carry with me uh, a bag like this, just a Ziploc bag. And in here I've got, um, let's see if you can see that, this is dryer lint. This is insanely flammable. If you know how flammable this is, you make sure you clean your dryer constantly. Um, And then a piece of fatwood, which I can make shavings from. Just in case, just in case I have to use my emergency uh, starter there, or you know, I can use this to start a fire. I can use it to start my um, solo stove. It's always good to have. And fat wood is just um, super sap saturated pine. That's all that is. It's nothing fancy. It is just pine that has got uh, the sap has actually soaked into the wood and turned into resin, and it's it lights. Instantly this lights are really well, and then I just have a that's just a uh, like a little bungee just in case I need it So that's pretty much my my fire starting Techniques it's nothing fancy uh, But you got to be able to cook you got to be able to start a fire. So that's what I use and then To to actually heat the meals up if I'm using something like a mountain house uh, They come in a, a bag that you can cook in otherwise my meals I just Make them in Ziploc freezer bags. These are uh, BPH free, so I'm I'm not worried about B. B, What's that stuff called? BPH. Um, I'm not worried about um, any chemicals leaking in when I heat it. These won't melt under with boiling water in them, and uh, they're relatively rugged, so that is great. So I'll put my food in either these or in if I'm going to be keeping them long term in a in a what do you call that? A uh, vacuum seal bag. Uh, you can cook in those as well. And then I just throw them. I made a, a Reflectix pouch um, and it's big enough to fit a Ziploc bag. You just put it inside. And there's garbage in there. Um, you put it inside, you close it up, and you let it sit for, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, depending on what you're cooking, what you're dehydrating or rehydrating. And that's it. That's as complicated as cooking is on the trail. Having a dehydrated meal, putting hot water in it, and letting it sit. Um, I don't get real crazy. I'm not carrying steaks in the woods with me or strombolis or anything like that. Uh, seeing people do that, not something I'm going to do. Um, so I just keep it as simple as I can. Simple is always better. Um, and then as far as eating utensils, you got your standard um Light my fire, spork. Uh, these are, are great. I really like these. The problem with these is if you're eating out of a bag, even one of these, um, and you're trying to get to the bottom, it's really hard to get the stuff from the bottom. You're like holding on to the end of the tines. Uh, they do make a longer one, but I got this is another uh, thing I got from my Karen package, and this is uh, called the Human Gear Duo. They call this. It's a, a fork and a spoon, as you can tell. They they nest together, so they slide apart. Right, and now you got a separate spoon and a fork. Nice thing about these is they slide back together, handle to handle, and now you've got a long handled spoon or a long handled fork, and you can easily get to the bottom of a uh, any kind of pouch. These things are great, and this mine's getting discolored. I use it so much. Uh, I love this thing. I'm glad I got this in a Cairn package because I would have never known these existed, and these things are great, absolutely love this thing. And it actually packs down smaller and flatter than the uh, the Light My Fire Spork. And this is probably the, the standard a lot of people use, is, or something like that, um, but that thing is just slightly smaller and so much flatter. So that's that is that is my cook kit, that's my camp kitchen, I use that car camping. I use that backpacking. Uh, it's just simple. Simple is good. I like simple. Simple is my favorite, favorite thing in the world because usually I'm pretty simple. Hey, hike with Mike. I just saw you pop on. Um, thanks for joining. That's cool. I like seeing new people. Uh, I just saw you subscribed while I was actually out backpacking, so thank you. That's pretty cool. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much uh, my camera gear, my, my camp kitchen. It's nothing fancy, but it's it works. It works well for me, and um, you know that's all that matters. Uh, you can't let other people dictate what you do out there. There's so many different options as far as how you're going to camp, how you're going to hike, what you're going to wear, uh, what gear you can take, uh, what strategy you should have. Should you be ultra light? Should you you know, go for the biggest and the best? Yes, very true, Mike. Less is truly more wiser words were never spoken um, yeah you just you got to do what feels right for you uh, I, I hike with uh, several different people and everybody's got their own you got your own speed you got your own process uh, and you just got to learn what works for you and and go with it and if other people are doing something different that's fine it's not a competition none of this it's all meant to be fun not a competition do You know as they say do you do do what makes you happy while you're out there um this trip i just took out the keller swamp this was really cool uh only my second solo backpack but like the second one second time in less than a month i think i'm addicted to solo backpacking In short one just overnight had a deer just about walk into camp i just released part one because there's just way too much to put it all into one video. But the, you can see the deer. And, of course, it's a GoPro, so everything looks much further away. But he was probably only about 40 feet from where I was sitting. And I was I just gotten the fire started. I was sitting there kind of tending the fire, letting it warm up, getting ready to have lunch. And the deer came walking in, and he kept looking at me because he, he didn't know I wasn't really moving. And he didn't know what to make of me. And he walked in, and he got pretty close, and then he realized, I, I don't want any part of that. So he took off. Uh, I'm surprised with the, you know, the orange jacket I, I'm usually wearing, I'm usually wearing some kind of orange when I'm out there. Um, and my my hammock was set up behind me and I had the my my winter quilt flipped out to the, the orange because I'm not trying to hide out there, I'm not doing any kind of stealth camping or anything like that. And I know there is some, uh, like I think some kind of hunting right now uh, and coyotes are always in the season and they were all over the place. So I don't need to get shot. In snow, that bright orange, it's easily visible. Uh, I'm surprised he, he got as close as he did. It was really, really uh, a cool little campsite. Real close to the trail, but uh, awesome. Not not big, but really awesome. Would like to get back out there. Forest and streams, Choke Creek, man. We gotta get out there and do that. I know you want it in the winter, but we just might have to do it, snow or no snow. Uh, it's a lot of fun out there. Yeah. It, solo camping really is, is good medicine. So, uh, I know I, that these don't come through. I wonder if I can save these and put them up later on here, but hike with Mike. Um, I love solo camping. There's something that makes you connect with nature, uh, and the spiritual side of nature when you're alone in the woods and that is good medicine. And I can't agree more. If, if you, when you see part two come out, if you watch the first part and you, as I'm hiking in, I, my demeanor's one way. And then I, I was, as I was editing the video, I realized towards the end, I'm kind of talking to the camera more like I, it's a person with me. Uh, it's, it's my, I was a completely different person on the way back out after spending that time out there by myself. And it was so, so quiet. When I was out at uh, Delaware state forest on Christmas Eve, I was by the, the Bushkill Creek and it was loud. The Creek was loud. And you've got it was snowing, so there's noise on the on the tarp. There's the water, the wind was blowing, so there's all kind of matricing. So you're, you're hearing all these weird combinations of these sounds, and it keeps you kind of on alert. But at uh, Keller Swamp, it was it was eerily quiet. And I I'll, I'll kind of get into it now, but uh, in the second part of the video, I talk about uh, I had this dream in the middle of the night, uh, woke up. Like 1130 at night, there uh, like a small jet flew over. There is a municipal airport near there. Uh, so it seemed weird that it was that late at night and they were flying in. But it, it woke me up. And when I fell back asleep, I was having a dream that I was in like an Air Force base or some kind of uh, military base. And there was jets flying by doing like maneuvers and I just remember being there, I forget who was with me, whoever was there and I'm like, I wish these jets would stop, they're making too much noise, they're making too much noise and I wake up and I hear this noise and thinking it's jets because I'm still kind of half in that dream but the wind had picked up and it was just the wind off in the distance making this noise and then I realized I heard the trees clacking and I'm like, oh this isn't jets at all, this is just wind. I did hear a jet earlier but no, the wind was was howling out there and I just sat there for a little while and listened to the wind and listened to the, the probably about 50 owls that were all out around uh, the forest and the one that landed, I, it sounded like he landed right over me. He was he was uh, hooting away. And I tried to record him as soon as I, I pulled the phone out, I tried to record on the phone and he stopped. And I realized it probably lit up so bright, it probably scared him away because uh, they got they're used to night. They got really good vision. They got really good hearing. So as soon as I moved, he was probably like, "Alright, people, I'm out." Took off. So really cool trip. Check out part one of the solo overnight in Keller Swamp. Part two, I'll be. It's just encoding now. Um, I'll have that up probably next week. I'll probably wait, give uh, part one a little time, and then I'll put up part two. So. That's what I've got for this episode. That was 43 minutes longer than I expected to be. So that's what I got for this episode of the Outcast. Um, Forest and Streams, Hike with Mike. I saw you guys on. Thank you for joining. Uh, If you're watching this after the fact, thanks for checking it out. And I will be putting up the podcast version of this um, probably tomorrow. Probably edit it and put it up tomorrow. Um, So if you're listening to that, thank you for checking it out. Uh, Check out the Facebook page. Um, I'll put that link in here, and that's just Facebook.com slash Kurt Zitzelman. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check it out. And uh, like I said, when I hit 500 subs, I'm going to do a giveaway. So let's hope we get to that pretty soon because I'm excited to do that. Thanks for watching. This has been Outcast. I'm Kurt. And uh, go outside and have some fun. Take care. Bye.